to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is called Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete Sunday. It's a Latin word. It means rejoice. So rejoice. In our epistle lesson, the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul was persecuted for his faith many times, as you probably know. And it's traditionally believed that this was one of his uh, prison epistles. He wrote this epistle to the Philippians from prison. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always from prison. In our gospel lesson, we see that John the baptizer has also ended up in prison on account of his faith. We know this from our gospel lesson last week also. And of course, it's not surprising because after all, John was faithful to God in his preaching. And he was called to be a preacher of repentance. And nobody likes to be told to repent. Well, most people don't like to be told to repent. Um, Especially those people who really don't want to repent. They don't like to be told to repent. So John was persona non grata. And as a result of him being faithful to God's word and calling Herod to account for Herod's wickedness, Paul was cast into jail. So John, the baptizer, is in prison, and he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, before we get to Jesus' answer, I want to unpack the question a little bit. First of all, the question is from John. There are some people who will say, well, it's probably just his disciples that were asking the question and saying that John was asking it. And they might want to do that because it kind of makes John look like he's got doubts, right? Isn't John a prophet? Why would he have any doubts? Why would he need to ask Jesus this? But we're going to rule that out because the text plainly says that John is the one who asked the question, and he sent his disciples. So John, the baptizer, the great prophet, had this question, are you the one, or should we be looking for another? You'll recall that John preached about the coming salvation and also the coming judgment. He knew the prophecies of the Messiah the coming one, who would raise the dead, judge all people, who would separate the wheat from the chaff. And he knew that the chaff would be burned with unquenchable fire. And this is what John was preaching. So you could understand that when he sees Jesus in his earthly ministry, he doesn't necessarily know the timeline in these prophecies, And it would be, you know, it's kind of natural. You read the prophecy and you kind of assume it all comes together. So the coming Messiah comes and he heals and he does all of these things. And then at the same time, he then judges. And you you would sort of conflate the two in your mind. So it's possible that that's what John was doing. But the timing hasn't been revealed. The prophecies were given in the Old Testament. The prophet would, would proclaim the things that they saw, the the prophecy that God had given them. But they didn't didn't always say, well, this is going to happen, and then many, many years will go by, and then this other thing will happen. So the timing is not clear. So 
from this perspective, um, the prophecies could be continuous, but perhaps not. In faith, yes, in faith, John asks for confirmation from Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? This is not doubt. This is not a faithless doubt. This is faith looking for confirmation. Notice that in Jesus' answer, he points John to the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies. So we have Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Also from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And it was in that hour that John's disciples came to Jesus that they witnessed all of these things being fulfilled right before them. And these are all prophecies of the coming Messiah. Notice also this this expression, I think it's actually on the bulletin, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What that means is, in other words, the one who does not reject Christ is blessed. The one who doesn't reject the scandal of the gospel, the free gift, God's mercy given to us freely, the one who doesn't reject that is blessed. All right, now last week I posed the question, why did you come here? Really, I said John, the baptizer, asks that question. And he did. Why did you come here? Did you come to repent and beg for mercy? Or did you come to justify yourself? That's a big question. This week, Jesus asks the crowds, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Remember, John is out in the wilderness preaching, and Jesus is saying, what were you going out there to see? A reed shaken by the wind? That would basically be a pushover. A reed shaken by the wind is is a preacher who lacks conviction, lacks principle. They can be swayed one way or the other. There were plenty of preachers like that then, just as there are now. John obviously was not then. Did you go out to see someone dressed in luxurious clothing, soft clothing? Well, you could find that in the palace. You didn't have to go out into the wilderness. In fact, you wouldn't find it most likely out in the wilderness. You'd find John wearing a camel hair shirt, which is about as comfortable as it sounds like it would be. No, obviously John doesn't fit that either. He's not wearing soft clothing. He is in the palace at this time. He's in the palace prison, and he's definitely not wearing soft clothing. Okay. Did you come to see a prophet? Now we're getting somewhere. And Jesus confirms, yeah, you came to see a prophet. And he says, this is that prophet, the one that was prophesied in Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So Jesus upholds this, this that, he, that John the baptizer is this prophet. And he even goes on to say, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. So John is the pinnacle of humans. 
even superior, superior to Mary. Think about that. I mean, Mary is the God-bearer. You know, we have this word, theotokos, which means God-bringer, God-bearer, and that's what we apply to Mary. Mary bore Jesus in her womb. God was incarnate by Mary, by the Holy Spirit through Mary. Um, so she is obviously revered, and rightly so. We should not diminish her role. But apparently she's second to John the baptizer, uh, a close second, I suppose. <clears throat> okay, so then going back to this earlier point, think about this for a second, because it has practical implications. We might think, doesn't it express doubt and like a lacking in faith of John that he would ask this question? Are you the coming one or should we wait for another? And Jesus is saying, that guy who asked that question in faith, who came to me in faith and asked me to confirm, is the greatest among people. So don't ever feel like you can't express your, your faith to, to God in such a way as to say, help me, God, just like the, the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. Because see, faith causes us to ask that question in the first place. Faith causes us to say, is this real, this thing that I'm believing? And God works faith in us and says, yes, it is. And that's what Jesus did here for John. Yes, go and tell John what you have seen. The blind receive their sight. The lame are made to walk. It's, it's not just that he had the power to do all those things. It's that those things were the prophecies that spoke of the coming Messiah, and those were the prophecies that were being fulfilled. And John is, in fact, a prophet, and his role as the greatest prophet will not be diminished. Now, perhaps the next statement is going to be confusing. Jesus said, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Right? I thought John was the best, now he's the least. Isn't that confusing? What Jesus is saying is that John is the greatest of the prophets. Why? Well, because of the prophets of the Old Testament, they were all looking forward to this coming Messiah. Here, He's coming in the future, and they were giving prophecies of the coming Messiah. John did that, but he also said, and, is, and that Messiah is now here. And that is Jesus. So John is the greatest of the prophets because he wasn't just looking forward to him, but he was saying he is now here. It is this man, Jesus of Nazareth. But then why is he the least? Well, John will be executed in prison. And Jesus knows that this is coming. John will be executed in prison and he will not bear witness to the work of Christ on Golgotha, when Jesus laid down his life for your sins. John will not bear witness to the resurrection when Jesus was raised for your justification. John will not stand with the disciples as they watch Jesus ascend into heaven. And so on account of that, he is considered least. Because the 
the others that's, that were there witnessed these things. And how blessed is that to witness these things? We are witnesses to these events also because we have these revealed in God's word to us. We are witnesses to these things that have transpired. All right, now we come to the end of the passage. The people heard what Jesus said of John the baptizer, and they had mixed reactions. Some affirmed that John's ministry was from God, and some denied it. Of course, some of them hadn't received John's baptism, so you know they're going to be like reluctant to say, oh yeah, that guy that we wouldn't receive his baptism, yeah, he really is the messenger of God. They're, not, they're reluctant to say that. But they rejected his preaching of repentance. Remember, some of them asked. They came to be baptized, and he wouldn't because they weren't repentant. <clears throat> this generation can't make up their mind, and that's what Jesus is talking about in this last bit of the passage. John comes in asceticism, and he gets, uh, and he's preaching repentance. He was unable to ignore the wickedness of Herod. That's why he was in prison, because he said, Herod, this thing that you do with your brother's wife is wicked, and Herod resented that and locked him up in prison. Well, there were many, many other religious leaders in, at the time who were perfectly willing to just ignore that but not John. He was faithful to God's word. He couldn't ignore that. So John comes in asceticism, simple life, camel hair clothing, out in the wilderness preaching repentance, and they say he's too stern. We, want, we don't want to have anything to do with him. Well, on the flip side, Jesus comes healing, binding the brokenhearted, raising the dead, even mingling with sinners, with tax collectors, the worst of the worst, with prostitutes. And they said, oh, he's a drunkard. He's a glutton. He hangs out with tax collectors. So you see, this is a fickle generation. They just, they can't, you can't get them either way. You have the asceticism, you have the grace and mercy coming from Christ. Either, either way, they're like, we don't want it. And just so, our current generation. Um, just like so many years ago, our current generation is full of skeptics. They deny the truth. They'll accept neither John's stern warnings and preaching to repentance, nor will they accept Jesus' work of salvation. Yet, the truth remains in spite of the skeptics. And the truth is this. John, the baptizer, was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus Christ is the one who was to come. He is indeed the one who has come and has taken upon himself all of your sins. Jesus Christ comes to you this morning in this sacrament to work faith in you, and to work forgiveness for you. Repent and receive the forgiveness that God freely offers you in Christ Jesus. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.